This is the Payback Time Podcast, where we interview driven individuals who have achieved or are well on their way to achieving financial freedom. We break down the steps required to generate leveraged income, including but not limited to stock investing, online business, traditional business, and real estate. Each episode breaks down the mistakes made, victories achieved, and the overall journey that led them to where they are today. Sean Tepper is your host, and here is today's episode. My next guest achieved the dream of helping build and sell a business at a relatively young age. She then took the profits of that sale and invested in another business that unfortunately ended up being a pretty big failure. After losing a lot of money and feeling down and depressed, she had no choice but to pick herself back up and keep going. But in this case, she did everything right. We'll be talking about how to create a highly scalable service business, including how to charge your customers and how to build an awesome team. Please welcome Ashley Altum. Ashley, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks for asking, how are you? Doing very well, I wanna thank you very much for joining me today, I'm very excited to hear your story. So if we could start off, give the audience your career backstory. Thanks for asking. So I got a bachelor degree while I was working for a, a small business. And when I was working there, I said, Hey, I'm going to go on and I'm going to get my CPA license and a master's degree. And he said, Hey, well, don't leave us. You know, we're like your biggest client. We really want to stick with you. And I had this dream to own an accounting firm. Mm -hmm. He grew that business significantly over the years. And when I finished my master's degree and got my CPA license, he said, look, if you want to stay here, you can earn equity in the business. And so I did earn equity in the business in 2017. I sat in, excuse me, 2016. I sat in the CEO role there um, as we started the exit process. And I felt very scared because for some reason I felt like it was somewhere I was going to stay and work forever. You know, you just kind of get in your comfy spot and it feels good. And I was also young. Uh, and I and we did exit. We exited in 2017, and I should have taken that money and just hung out for a while and thought about what I was going to do next. But I was very young and aggressive, and almost like three years ago, young. <laughs> but I was like a, almost like popping my collar, like. I am so awesome. Look what we just did together. I can do this again and again. And I thought there's these stories of people being serial entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I got wrapped up in a lot of these words of, well, I want to be a serial entrepreneur and I want to do this and I can do all of these awesome things. And so for whatever reason, somebody came and said, Hey, will you help me get out of this company? And I said, you know what? This company is actually profitable. It just has a cash flow problem. And I happen to have some cash laying around right now. So this is a great opportunity. I'm going to roll out of one thing and into another immediately. So I got into the concrete business and we went from residential concrete to commercial concrete, building giant structures. 
and it was a learning experience. I'll tell you, it was a very bad learning experience, but I don't think I would be the person I am today if I hadn't have gone through that. And so um, very humbling experience, had some major failures and invested a lot of money that I may or may not ever get back, but I've made it through that. And I still have the concrete company operating very small in the background. Um, okay a little bit of things there on occasion to sit in more of a president role than actually operating and we don't have employees and doing projects like we were at one time and um, out of that I was sitting in my office one day and I thought man if I could just help business owners have metrics if I would have had some better metrics and what happens as business owners I think we get so busy especially in times where it feels like you're going down almost down like we're flushing down the toilet almost you go oh wow like everything's crazy right now and it's too chaotic for me to stop because I'm just trying to manage through the day-to-day and get by and so in that process I thought I'm gonna buy this website called I love numbers because I really love numbers and that's what I was passionate about and somewhere along the way I maybe lost sight of what I was really supposed to be doing because I had this shiny object syndrome of oh my gosh, I can have this concrete company. We can do $100 million in revenue per year. And it can be like this big thing where when I'm out in the field, it's like this hoopla of workers like who love and support this company and me. And this is so cool. It wasn't a top line thing. It should have been about a bottom line thing and taking care of myself and my, my business and my family. And so I bought I Love Numbers and I partnered with somebody who was a software person um, to actually create a business and we made an app for business owners to be able to track metrics and KPIs on their phone still working on that prog- on that process we do have the app it's launched and it, it can be downloaded for free and used but along the way he said hey we should have an accounting firm because we need a, a group of clients that we could test this product on so we started profit matters together he and I had a different vision. I quickly found like, oh, this is my sweet spot. This is what I've been wanting to do my whole life. I want to actually be the entire accounting department for other businesses. So they don't need a bookkeeper. I'll be separate. We could offer that as one package and it would be a group of people. Story here. I'm looking at your website right now, profitmatters.co. And I see how you've organized your different packages. You've got bookkeepers like your base, then controller, and then uh, CFO. If you could break that down a little bit, the different services there. For sure. So we have CPAs on our team. Every CPA has a bookkeeper working under them. We don't outsource any work. So those are our full-time employees on our team. That helps us be able to offer a set monthly rate at a lower price. So Mm You have one point of contact that CPA can do your tax return. They have years of experience in taxes when they come to us. They've sat in some sort of CFO or advisory role as well along their way in their path, career path, if you will. And so they're really good at making budgets and negotiating with vendors and seeing, okay, this is our actual versus our estimate. So yeah, it's like a pot of people, but you just have one person to talk to. So it's less people to manage internally. So that's your bookkeeper. That's like your base package, if you will. And then it goes to controller. Could you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, it's that same package. So whether you get a bookkeeper, then, then you still have that CPA who's overlooking their work and talking to you. Then if you have a controller, that CPA is actually doing some budgeting and different work. And then if you have the CFO package, well, then you could just have a CFO or it could be CFO and everything down where we're doing the bookkeeping, we're doing all the high level accounting work, we're keeping accruals and schedules and depreciation, but then we're also helping you raise funds, we're going out and negotiating mm. your insurance, we're connecting you with bankers, we're helping you get loans, we're doing more of the high level work that you would ask of a CFO. Right on, okay. And I wanted to dive right into your services here because for the listeners out there, you should definitely check out the website because you have this structured, Ashley, it's very, very much like a software as a service business. It was, which is becoming very popular. It's, it's easier for people to understand um, different packages that are monthly. You're paying a monthly fee for a service. You can pick what service is best for you. And you've done that. You made it really approachable because typically, and you probably see this with CPA firms, it's you call the phone number, you see some nice photos on the site, an overview of services. It's very much the old way of doing things. And this way is just, um, it seems much more modernized, much more streamlined. Um, could you give us a little range here on what you're charging from the low end to the high end on some of these services? Like maybe start with a bookkeeper. Yes. So if you want us to just reconcile the books, keep everything that's on the bank statement on the balance sheet and make sure that matches and everything goes to the right category on your income statement, then you might be looking at something like 500 to a thousand dollars a month for that's basic bookkeeping. Then if we get into that controller role, we're doing your AP, your AR, we're doing your payroll, we're doing your sales and use tax, right? We're full on accounting for everything on your books, maybe on the accrual basis. So we're keeping schedules of your prepaids and yep. trying to right, tie everything back. And then when you get into that CFO role is where, yes, you're getting more of that advisory work monthly mm -hmm. versus actual budgets, cash flow forecasting, trying to get that cash flow forecasting down to the nickel, you know? Yep, absolutely. And can you give us an idea of the low end to the high end on the controller side and the CFO side? For sure. So controller side, I would say typical might be somewhere between $2,000 a month up to like maybe five, just depending on what we're doing and what the yep. size of the business is. We um, do some CFO stuff based on so we'll give an allotted amount of hours because this is where it gets arbitrary. And I think if you don't talk about expectations up front, so I can say like, Hey, Sean, I'm going to be your CFO and I'm going to charge you $5,000 a month. And you're like, awesome. And then three months in, you're like, what's she actually doing again? Right. And I may be making a lot of progress or you may be like, wow, this is so amazing. And I'm only spending five hours doing it. But I think, if we don't tell people up front how many hours they're getting, well, then our team doesn't know, okay, well, how much time can we invest versus what can we give you value-wise? CFO package, we've been putting hours. And so it's typically about $250 an hour is what it comes out to if we're just sitting in a fractional CFO role. Let's take a quick commercial break. The backstory on Ticker has a not-so-glamorous, humble beginning. I've been investing for the last 10 years, but the first five years, I focused only on angel investing. In other words, 
I would invest time or money in private tech startups with a goal in mind to sell that tech startup for a 10x multiple. Needless to say, that's a lot easier said than done. In fact, I never achieved that result. I actually lost money 90% of the time. After five years of consistent losses, I had to make a change. What I was doing wasn't working. Since I couldn't find success as an angel investor in the private market, I took a step back and turned my attention to the public market, but I took a different approach. See, I knew billionaire investors did not guess their way to the accumulation of massive wealth. They don't use emotions, feelings, and beliefs. They use logic, and the foundation of logic is math. This is when I decided to read as many boring investment books as I could to see if I could understand that math. See, publicly traded companies have historical data you can use to calculate the trajectory of a business. I applied my software engineering background to create an algorithm, and within the same year, I achieved a 15% return compared to the market average of 6%. I then went on to refine the algorithm and achieve returns ranging between 15% and 50% over the next few years. Then things got really interesting. In the summer of 2019, I backtested ticker through the 2008 recession, and in 2008, the S&P 500 went down 38%, while ticker went up 24%. I then backtested Ticker from 1999 through 2019, and Ticker has proven to beat the market every year. The lowest return was 10%, and the highest return was 96%. That is the moment when I decided I can't keep this algorithm for myself. I need to turn this into a platform to share with others. That's when I decided to create Ticker. If you're looking to make significantly higher returns in the market, Ticker is perfect for you. Go ahead and get signed up with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. With the amount of hours per month, do you have metrics around there? Like what is the average allocation of a bookkeeper per month and then the controller per month and the CFO per month? Really cool question. So we try to do things really simple and fun here. I think you'll find that our team is like really fun to work with. Mm -hmm. And we say we work hard and we play hard. I've never worked with a group of more competent people. And I'm not saying that because this is my company. I'm saying this because we've worked our tail off interviewing people, making sure they're a really good culture fit yep. and that everybody has a degree, like I said. So um, just about anybody could jump in and do any different part of the job. And so when we talk about how many hours is required, like when we tell you we're going to do your accounting, it doesn't matter. We're going to make sure the job's done, even if we're going over our hours. We just had a conversation with a company that's really been hurt by COVID. And he said, man, I know you guys are putting in tons of hours. Are you going to start billing me separate for that? And I'm like, no, we're not. We understand the situation. Like we're just trying to mitigate all of this as best we can on our end so I want you to know like we're still working for our set monthly rate I mean right it's like give and take and I think some months we work less and it ends up looking more profitable on that client if you will and some months maybe we work more and it's just back and forth and I think as we've been able to it's just so fortunate that we found clients who also fit our culture yep. and feel like jump on FaceTime or text or call or email and they know what we're doing and they understand the value and vice versa. We know what it looks like for them to be entrepreneurs and it's a really cool thing. So how many hours we're spending depends on the size of the company. So I don't have a really good answer for you. You answered my question. I was putting a little test there because 
if you're structuring a service business like a software as a service business, there shouldn't be any surprises. Mm-hmm. And you just explained that. I love that. You, you go a little over on your end, provide more value. There's more time, no extra charge for the customer. There's no surprises. That's how you retain customers. There you go. When we say set monthly rate, it's a set monthly rate. Yes. Yes. Mark, that's how you scale. You make it super simple for people to understand. Um, I have to ask, what motivated you to structure your business like this? You, you said you're working with a software guy. Was he it or was there other software experience he had? No, um, I just thought if we could have a set monthly rate, then people wouldn't be looking over our shoulder going, ooh, well, I'm not going to ask for the help I need because I think that's going to cost me more money. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to have a business, I think, forever where people could show up and be their genuine, authentic self. So I tell people when we're interviewing them, like, we're not expecting you to show up and fake it until you make it all day from eight to five, like to show up who you really are, even on the phone with our clients. It's exhausting, I think, to wear a suit and tie to work eight to five and that not really be who you are, like deep down. I don't know. It's just really, so I love that we're, um, you know, everybody's just showing up as themselves and our clients are too. And it just seems to make all the difference in how much we're able to get done in the way that we do our work. Um, as far as process, like we're just so process driven. So when I started working on the business and thinking about the set monthly rate, I thought, you know, there's no way to do this unless we do things the same way every single time for every client. So far, we haven't found that to be a problem. I mean, so processed, you're going to laugh, Sean, but like Monday's admin day. So we all look at what we need to do all week. We start digging around in clients' books. We do things like clear bank feeds, if anyone knows what that means in QuickBooks. But then Tuesday's AR, Wednesday's AP, Thursday's payroll. We don't do any client work on Friday. Like we don't interact with our clients unless it's an emergency. Our staff typically works 10, 12 hour, maybe even 14 hour days during the week on a flexible schedule. And so if they have their 45, 50 hours by Friday, I'm like, please go play with your family. And if not, then people will jump in and we'll all work together. But Fridays aren't a day that we're interacting. We feel like it's our day to like get our, put our head down. We're not on phone calls. We're like really getting stuff done or we're recovering from the week. Totally. That's awesome. How many people do you have on your team? We currently have eight people um, on the team. And so we added two more people this morning that will be in addition to that. Growing fast. And then we have a new CPA that's going to start in October. So um, really excited. He's already said yes. And we only have one other guy on the team. So when we do our all company huddle, it's quite interesting. He's always like, Ooh, I'm just surrounded by girls. Can we get another guy? And so (laughs) he's complaining about that. Yes. Um, CPA man. So it's going to be really fun, but yeah, I feel like we're able to get a ton of work done with that CPA bookkeeper combo. Gotcha. How are you marketing this business? We have two different ways. We have a marketing company if I could give a shout out to Marketing 360 out in Denver. And we also have a lead generation company called Core BC. And um, Core works my LinkedIn. And so they actually log in to my LinkedIn. They make connections. They send out messages. They reply to those messages. 
and they call and they schedule appointments and they put them on our sales calendar, whether they go on my calendar for sales or whether they go on a salesperson's calendar here. It all shows up and we make sure that we reach out to those people to send them proposals. Really solid marketing strategy. Can you tell us about some of the challenges you faced growing this business? Sure. Um, I think starting any business, especially off of coming off of a humbling experience, like I said before, is a little bit exhausting. I felt like I went from startup phase to startup phase to startup phase. And I think it takes a lot of oomph, if you will, to like power through that. Yes. And, and the cash requirements of starting a business, I feel like there's a couple of things. People think that they're going to hang their sign and they're going to flip it over to open and business is just going to flood in and it doesn't actually work that way. <laughs> right. And then people think like, Oh, well, I'm going to start selling and I'm going to make a lot of money and I'll be able to fund this business. And I think when you start adding really capable employees. And so for us, I told you, I feel like our staff is the best. That means our staff costs a lot. Yes. And that also means that people, when they hire us, they're getting what they pay for. So in that case, did you raise funds or did you take out a loan? I have self-funded this business. <laughs> Good for you. So I want to I wanna talk about, you know, funding a business like this on your own. We're going to go back in time a little bit to a previous business. And you said when you were, you were CEO in a role and you sold that business, part of the acquisition, was that where you accumulated some of the call it your wealth or the funds to invest in endeavors. That's correct. You invested some of that money into that concrete business, which is still kind of going, sounds like, right? Yes. But Unfortunately, it, no. <laughs> 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 but it sounds like you you didn't put all your eggs in one basket. Like it, you're wise with money, so you didn't invest everything in that. You had some left over to invest in a new venture, which is now profit matters. Yeah. I want to talk about that for your listeners for one second. It's a slippery slope. When you invest $100,000 and you have $100,000 to your name, it's like, okay, like I just jumped off a cliff, but let's say you have three and you put 100 in and then you go, Ooh, I lost that 100. And then you put two in. There's got to be a stopping point. And so if you are investing 1 million, 2 million, 5 million, you get a million bucks in, you go, oh my gosh, if I don't put another million in, I'm going to drown. Like I'm going to lose the first million. And so I think it's that fear that makes people keep going when they should stop. That's my, that is my biggest lesson that I have learned so far to date is you have to know when to stop. Was that one of those moments you experienced in that concrete business? That's right. There was a, there's a time where I should have stopped and I knew it. And I went years past that and I mm. should have known that there was no recovery at a certain point. What was that moment when you definitively told yourself, I'm done? Hmm. When I, I looked at my small children and I looked around at my life and I went, oh my gosh, I've just about lost everything in this one single endeavor and it hasn't been worth it and it probably never will be and it's not going to produce. That's a tough moment to be in. And I know that can put your psychology and your mindset in a 
painful spot in you. You seem like a pretty resilient person. How did you get yourself out of it? Like, what was your mindset there? And how did you kind of coach yourself to, all right, time to get up, time to go after it, new venture. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's scary. I mean, that's the point when I will just transparently say here, if it's okay, that I'm a single mom and Mm -hmm. you don't get to stop. Like you just have to keep on going. There's not an option. I mean, option number one, I guess, would have been to go out and get a job. But I started feeling like I was just unemployable. (laughs) I mean, as an (laughs) entrepreneur, it's like you haven't worked for somebody. And I love to travel. And I'd had the opportunity to travel around the world and to Mm -hmm. go and do. And I just wanted to continue on with that flexibility. And I thought man, I just can't imagine getting a job. And then it also felt like with a job that there was a stopping point of, okay, you make this much money and that's how much money you're going to make every year. And I wanted the opportunity to win. Yes. Nice. Great, great mindset. Um, You didn't want the limitations, no ceiling for you. That's for sure. Right. Wanted to keep going. I didn't want there to be a backstop and Also, I had felt like success, failure, and I was like, okay, I can do this again, and it's going to be much easier, and somebody who's much older and more wise than me said, if you've done it once, you can do it again. It's much easier than it is on the first go around, so you need to keep on going. Otherwise, people will always remember you as a failure, and I wanted people to remember me as I went out here, and I did it again, and I made it a success. Yep, yep. So I'm I'm hearing a lot of really good business choices, like especially the pricing, it's very um, approachable, no surprises, monthly fees, similar to a software as a service business. You've got very process orientated, you know, the the schedule you laid out from Monday through Friday is very uh, rigid. I like that, very focused, but you have a good sense of work-life balance, it sounds like with your staff. Um, Where do you want to take this business? Well, at Worlds of Wow, I'll just say that in case anybody <laughs> yeah, the business that we sold and exited, I was given the opportunity to get 20% of that business. And I brought someone on my team and mm-hmm. she has been phenomenal at supporting me at Profit Matters and we wouldn't be where we are without her today. And I gave her the same opportunity. She gets 20% profit share When we exit, she's going to get her 20%. And I am so incredibly grateful to pay it forward. So I don't know exactly where we're going, if it'll be an ESOP or an exit someday, but I'm a big believer that you build businesses to sell them. But for the next five or 10 years, I plan on doing everything that I would ask anyone on my team to do and just learning and growing as an individual and being the very best leader I can. And I hope that in the next five years, we hit $5 million in revenue. In the next 10, we hit $10 million in revenue. And it's just a simple, you know, very small trajectory there um, that doesn't require a lot of chaos, but it allows a whole lot of people to join our team and have fun with us. Well, you certainly sound like you're leading people correctly. It's it's uh, something you don't really see every day as like a, a really good leader treats their people well. That that uh, stake in the business is a really cool model. I've, I've heard of people kind of creating a, like a pool, you know, you kind of, uh, let's say you grow your team to 10, 20, 30 people. They're part of a, a pool 
and you share in the profits and eventually the sale of that business, everybody who's in that pool gets can stake there. Some businesses do that, not all. Yeah, we do that. Everybody else who's on the team, uh, the person that I just said has the same deal that I did. We're sharing 10% profit with everybody. And so they get that in their, in their groups. And so, yeah, everybody here has a stake in the game. And I think when it was, you know, the 15th really recently and we had tax day come up and it was crazy. It was so awesome to see everybody jumping on and off zoom at nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. I knew they had been working, you know, since five, six o'clock in the morning and people are showing up with their glass of wine like, hey, we did it, we made it through and had just filed extensions <laughs> and filed tax returns and it just sure. felt so good seeing everybody just be so connected and team oriented. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. Introducing Ticker, an easy to use platform that guides you to low risk and high return stocks. Ticker has proven to beat the market every year for 20 years. From 1999 through 2019, the lowest annual return was 10% and the highest return was 96%. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. I want to touch on something here for the audience, and that is, you know, some people can be turned off thinking that a service business doesn't really provide freedom. You mentioned you like to travel, but it's quite the contrary in your circumstance because if you bring on the right people, the right team to help run your business like you're doing, you can have that freedom. Um, and we'll get into some questions later on in the episode talking about how much you work and whatnot. But, but it sounds like you put your business in a good spot that you could take a few days or a week or whatever. And you know, like you've got some key people in place to help run this business, take care of your customers. Is that correct? That's the thing. I found that the number one thing and what makes a business or a person successful is the people that you have around you. Took mm -hmm. me a long time to figure that out, but absolutely. My um, team can do every single thing that I need done while I'm gone. That is awesome. Very cool. If someone wants to do what you're doing, where should they start? I would say this about any business. First, you need to know what industry you're getting into and you need to actually know how to do the work. I used to not believe that, but I think that you really need to. So with concrete, I it took a long time for me to learn. So that learning experience cost me a lot of money. And now I know enough about it that I could go out and I could be in the field and talk about it. But for accounting, it was much easier for me because I am a CPA. I could actually build processes that I knew worked because I work in the business. So when I started, I started all by myself and I went out and got a couple of clients and I asked those clients questions all day. And I, I knew that they knew that I was brand new to this business. And so it was, okay, so what day can we do this? What day can we do that? Who would be likely to do it? So if you're going to start this business, I would say you need to do the work yourself. That way, as you continue to build a team, you know how to answer their questions and how to, how to help them learn and grow and do the right thing. And they're really bought into the process because you're not asking them to do anything that you haven't already done yourself. Good answer. And I think a lot of people will uh, respect your answer there because I've heard people say, you know, I've got this boss who is telling me what to do, but he's never done my job in the first place. 
Um, I, I've heard that so many times. It's like, yeah, yeah, totally get it. All right. So what I want to do next is we're going to go into what's called the rapid fire round, the fun set of questions. You could answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Ready. All right. What is your favorite podcast? The Funny Money Show, of course, because it's my own podcast. I have to say that. <laughs> you can't sorry. be your own. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I love Dr. Courtney Baker has a podcast about women entrepreneurs, and uh, okay. it's fantastic. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? My favorite book is Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive, and we practice those principles in our business. All right. Favorite movie? I'm terrible at that. I don't ever watch TV or movies. If I could just be really honest, it's not something that I have time for in this season in my life. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You do have an answer for this next one. Favorite food? Yikes, sorry. Um, pizza? Pizza is always a go-to favorite for a lot of people. Yeah. All right, here's a key question. How many hours do you work per week? 50, 60 hours a week. Really? I do. I work usually all day on Sunday and probably 12 hour days, Monday through Friday. Just don't tell people on our team that because I'm always in trouble for working when I'm not supposed to and replying to emails outside of working hours. See, I pumped you up earlier. You've got the right team in place. Hopefully you can start to dial that back to you know, maybe 40 or less, but uh, hey, your business, right? <laughs> And it, all, it hasn't always been that way. Is If I could segue for one second, I do play really hard and work really hard. So there are weeks that I will travel and maybe work early in the morning, like 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then take the rest of the sure. day and go play. There you go. You got the balance. You got the freedom. All right. Next up here, how many hours do you sleep each night? About six lately. Work on that. Could have dialed that up. Seven or eight. That's what I tell people. That's the goal to aim for. I'm, I'm aiming for it. I used to do much better than lately. All right, last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I would visit my 28-year-old self and say, make really good choices. And I don't have anything to prove to anyone. Just do me. There was There's no reason to do some of the things that I've done. And it was in an effort to either make people like me or prove something that I was good enough to do something. And I didn't need to do that. Good advice. Just be yourself. All right. And last question here really for the audience is where can people reach you? People can reach me at ashley at profitmatters.co. Uh, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Payback Time Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please provide a review on iTunes. If you'd like to hear an interview from someone specific, please make a comment on the Payback Time Facebook page. If you're interested in becoming an affiliate and earning 30% reoccurring commission for simply sharing Ticker, visit ticker.pro slash affiliates. Remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only. If you heard any stock mentioned on this podcast, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is copyright protected by payback time. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Don't